Hey, Josh Schwartz here, co-founder of Open Quorum. Before the program starts, I wanted to tell you a little bit about our organization and why we need no one other than you to make it the best it could be. Open Quorum produces podcasts, videos, sweet Jewish swag, and awesome events like Sermon Slam, which has already rocked its way into three major cities and generated some amazing Divrei Torah. We're so excited that you're excited about making Torah creative, engaging, and relevant, and that's why we need your help. Open Quorum is fiercely independent and totally self-funded. If you can, please donate to our Kickstarter. Search for Sermon Slam, all one word. Last but not least, if you want a Sermon Slam in your city, don't hesitate to knock on our digital door by clicking on the link on our website, sermonslam.openquorum.com, and we'll do everything we can to help you bring innovation and Torah creation to your own personal laboratory. Beam those radio waves straight to the soul. Hello again, my name is David Svi Kalman and you're listening to the Sermon Slam podcast. Sermon Slam is like a poetry slam, but it's for sermons, for stories, for poems, for plays, for anything else that doesn't take too long to tell. Each Sermon Slam event focuses on a Jewish theme, and some of each night's performances are posted online. In this podcast, you'll hear a couple more performances from our Brooklyn event, which was held on January 22, 2014. The theme for the evening was Sanctuaries and Tabernacles. And in case you're not 100% familiar with the Hebrew Bible, the second half of the book of Exodus talks about a building called a tabernacle, which God said would be a sanctuary while the Jews traveled through the desert towards the Promised Land. First up, we have a performance by Hannah Simpson. Here's Hannah. The story I share with you today begins as someone else's has ended, actually after. Two months ago, I first stood beside a man I never met, lying on his back. I will never meet him, as I said, and I will never get to. Yet I've come to know him more intimately than anyone else. If you want to know what somebody looks like on the inside, go to medical school. <laughs> Learning anatomy with donated cadavers is a rite of passage for physicians in training. Don't worry, I won't be too graphic. Besides, I thought the Yom Kippur crowd I first wrote this for might actually thank me for a devar that induced loss of appetite. <laughs> To preserve life, doctors begin their study at death, life's sole inevitability. First, do no harm, they say, because it's impossible. On a cadaver, the worst you could possibly do is bring him back. (laughs) We're told nothing of their past, so our imaginations fill in the gaps. In this crowd, you probably are a medical student, were one, or your mother would like you to marry one. Hi. (laughs) Welcome to our world. Each body receives a new identity and even a backstory. I was working with Uncle Charlie. He might be dating Gladys a couple of tables down, but he kept pretty silent about it. (laughs) This might sound crazy, but we were doing what we hoped to do most, help a stranger to live again, even if we were making it up. We tend to forget how amazing the human body is. Every bone, muscle, artery, vein has a nerve, a nerve, has a name, a place of origin, a destination, a purpose, and preceding generations have amassed an astounding blueprint of how each part must work, at least until it ceases to. Just how amazing, you ask? What sermon would be complete without an anatomy lesson? 
Hold your arm out in front of you and bend your wrist inward. See the bump that, pumps out, that pops out? It's a tendon called palmaris longus, and it does absolutely nothing. <laughs> it's vestigial, like the appendix. It used to retract our claws. Claws? <laughs> but if you injure a tendon elsewhere, surgeons extract this one to repair it. The body is a suit, and it comes with extra buttons. <laughs> but for as many buttons as remained on Uncle Charlie, though, something was clearly missing. It wasn't the bones, all there I counted. It wasn't the organs present, the muscles. Everything was there, but no longer being utilized. If each of us were merely the sum of our parts, what distinguishes us from this man I never met? We are animate, vivacious, the most intricate machines on earth, but it takes something more. Never have I been personally more convinced by the existence of the soul, nefesh, ruach, whatever you choose to call it, than by poking around and trying to figure out where it fit. I admit I haven't found it yet, though I remain optimistic. Each of us should consider ourselves an empty tabernacle, a delicately constructed vessel, yet one waiting to be spurred by, by the flame of the Almighty. The body is but a statue alone, likewise the soul, however divine, cannot impact our world for good or evil, except but through the body. At semester's end, I asked Uncle Charlie for forgiveness for any way I had transgressed him, knowingly or otherwise. It felt disappointing to receive such a blank expression in return. <laughs> Yet it was the same face looking back at me the whole time. It was an eternal face, not unlike one looking down from above. Hashem volunteers himself to us, knowing we are going to mess up. God grants us free will and the reins to deconstruct him piece by piece if that's what it takes to know him better. God knows we are going to disrespect, to cut the wrong strands, to mess up, even be tempted by false prophets amidst the pursuit of knowledge. Life, like anatomy, has twists and turns. Books like Torah guide us, but the veins are not always blue, nor arteries red. The path is not always clear. Sometimes we see the truth, sometimes we pretend to until it feels real. And yet, even at the height of our ineptitude, even at our worst, chiseling at God's chest, cracking God's ribs, cutting out God's heart and holding it in our hands, God endures. God doesn't turn away. God doesn't criticize your sloppy scalpeling technique. God doesn't bat an eye. We must remember to care for our bodies and of those we love and consciously live the privilege it is to inhabit them, however ephemerally, as the true houses of Hashem. We must embrace the faces staring back at us, especially the quiet ones. If we let ourselves realize that nothing we have done thus far has truly distanced ourselves from Hashem, then we can only work to draw ourselves closer. That was Hannah Simpson. A Jewish doctor? Now I've seen everything. You can find Hannah's performance, as well as performances from previous Sermon Slams, on YouTube. Just go to YouTube and type in Sermon Slam. Our New York event was sponsored by a Make It Happen grant from the Schusterman Foundation and by Congregation Beth Elohim. Now, as you know, Sermon Slam performances can take any shape. But sometimes that shape happens to be, well, an actual sermon. The next performance we're going to play for you is definitely a sermon, and it was delivered by Avishai Gebler.
As with any good construction story, um, this one begins with Lego. So almost uh, 20 years ago, about this time of year, it was a Shabbat afternoon, and my best friend and I, as was our custom, we uh, sat down for a good long afternoon of building and playing Legos. But instead of our normal castles or pirate ships or super mega giant spaceships of doom, we, uh, we decided to build the Mishkan. So I built the tabernacle. And we were going to build the beams and the altars, the ark, the, the whole thing. So after quickly putting together a little Moses and a little Mount Sinai and some tablets, I thought we were ready to get started. But uh, somewhere between plotting out where the walls would go on the base plate and kind of searching around for suitable little minifigures to serve as serviceable kohanim, we, uh, we stopped. Instead, we built a casino. <laughs> no, it was a great casino. Uh, it was one of those little small town casinos with slot machines and card tables, uh, a bar, even had a stage for musical performances. Um, and actually stuck around for some time, providing a good backdrop for lots of fun Lego adventures. Yet, I, I often think back to that afternoon, and I wonder, why is it that when we try to build tabernacles, we build casinos instead. <laughs> in, the, uh, in the opening verses of uh, Parshat Truma, that's the 25th chapter of Exodus for those of us keeping score at home, um, Hashem tells Moses to, to tell the children of Israel to, to bring all this stuff, just to collect a whole boatload of stuff, gold and jewels and wood and fancy dyed wool, just fancy, fancy stuff. And what for? As verse 9 tells us, V'asuli mikdash v'shachanti betocham. Hashem tells Moses, have them, have the children of Israel build me a mikdash, a, a sanctified space, and I will dwell in them. Not in their midst, but betocham, in them. It's not about a single physical location. It's about the divine dwelling in each and every person. So we're not talking about temples. Right? We're talking about us. As a, as a t-shirt uh, a friend owns says, uh, our bodies are temples, Jews are hot. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, if our bodies are temples, this, uh, this makes my question even stronger. So how come when we try to make ourselves into holy spaces, we end up turning ourselves into casinos. How can I be a holy space when I keep losing myself? You know, how can I turn myself into a place where the divine dwells if I keep turning myself into a casino, losing myself in you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll? How can I be holy when I feel so physical and so base? So I think the answer... <laughs> lies in the first verses leading up to, to that command. And it's a list of physical and, and frankly gaudy things. It's, what place does shiny stuff have to do with holiness? So I think what we're being told is that physicality does have a place in holiness. Physicality can be holy. It's how we use those material objects. That's the measure of holiness. 
So it's the precisely those moments of feeling like base physicality that we're the most ready to start construction. It's realizing that the gold we spend, the sweet incense we use to lose our sense, right, the, the silk that lines our beds, all that can be used to make ourselves into holy spaces. What we have to commit ourselves is turning our own personal casinos back into tabernacles. So I would go back and tell my 10-year-old self, I'd tell him, don't be afraid. Take that casino. Take those Legos, those fundamental building blocks, and keep building. Keep building until that casino becomes yet again a mikdash, a place sanctified by the effort, brick by holy brick. That was Avishai Gebra. Thanks to Brandon Bernstein and Samantha Cooperberg, who emceed the event, to Jonah Rank for musical accompaniment. Thanks as well to Rabbi Mark Katz for letting us use the synagogue space, and thanks especially to Michal Richardson for coordinating our first, but definitely not our last, New York event. We'll be back soon to bring you more Sermon Slam performances. My name is David Svi-Kalman, and thanks for listening to the Sermon Slam podcast. Oh, the Texas sun Make my back burn And the Texas sun Make my back, make my back burn The sparkle in your eyes Keeps me alive Bye.